Seats. So, as we're going on a road trip with Paul this summer, I figured we should probably get to learn some street signs, because when you're driving, you need to know what the signs mean. So let's take a look at the screen, and I want you to tell me what you think these signs mean. So, this first circle, what do you think the circle means? Shout out. Do not. It actually means no vehicles, no cars, no motorbikes, no bikes, no walking. Do not is pretty, pretty much there. What about this next one? No flying motorbikes, no stunts. Yeah, no motorbikes or cars. Confident driver at the back there. What about this one? Have you seen this one before? It actually exists. It means no explosives. How often have you seen this? Imagine driving down a road and seeing this. Oh, man. Got to take the dynamite out of the back now. I mean, what? Churches in America often have huge bits of grass outside their, their front porch. And they have, often have signs there to sort of give encouraging messages to drivers that they go past. But often they get it kind of a little bit wrong. Don't let warriors kill you. Let the church help. I know what you mean, guys, but, you know, let's try and word this a little bit better. Or how about when you've gone on a family holiday, you know, perhaps dad's driving, mum's directing, and you get to a roundabout, and quite often this happens. Take the second exit. Ooh, meant the first. You'll have to go around again. I said I was sorry. Yeah, I've had that a few times. This next sign, this final sign, is one, um, actually, no, there's another sign to go. Forgive me. I went on a road trip um, with a friend in America. Uh, we did 6,000 miles in about three weeks, and we saw 22 states. It was amazing. My bucket list was shattered. But the thing we noticed was there were a lot of um, you know, caution deer signs. But if you see on the left, that is a sign from caution deer in um, the northern states of America. And on the right, it's one of the southern states. Now, it could just be me, but I think the southern one looks a bit fatter and a bit plumper. And I'm not sure whether there's more fries and chicken eating down there, but I think the southern states, the deer come out a bit fatter. This final sign is one that we all hate. You know, we're driving along and we see a sign that says, road closed, please follow diversion. Yeah, you'll probably have got that on the way in, actually. Birmingham like to do roadworks in the summer. Road closed, please follow diversion. As Paul started his second missionary journey, he encountered two things. He encountered a distraction, and he encountered a diversion. And we're going to look at the distraction and the diversion and see what we today can learn about that. So I'm going to turn with me to Acts 15. I'm going to read the end of Acts 15 and then jump to verse 6 in Acts 16. So Acts 15, verse 36 says, After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and he left the believers and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Next, Paul and Silas travelled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. 
Then, coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. We read of Paul and Barnabas having a strong argument, a strong disagreement about bringing along John Mark. And then we see later Paul being diverted by God towards Macedonia. What I want you to get today, what I want you to grasp, is that the world will send you distractions, God will send you diversions. And we're to ignore the distractions and follow the diversions. And that is it. You know, we can go home now. But to unpack it a bit, we're going to look at the distraction first, and that's the argument with Barnabas. See, distractions are things that prevent us from focusing or concentrating on something else. I'm sure many of you had, have had a paper or an assignment to do and write, and you get into your room or your office and you type the title, but then you realise, actually, my room could do with a bit of a clean and a tidy. So you sort of spend a few hours tidying, and then you realise all you've got is a title, but a very clean room. You know, it's a distraction. How about that afternoon that you've set aside because you're going to clear out the shed? You open up, you see the hedge trimmer, you look at the hedge, and you think, that hedge needs doing. And then by the end of the day, it's dark and the shed's not been tidied. It's a distraction. It might have been the right thing to do, but actually it wasn't the right time. It's a distraction. Our lives are filled with distractions. Think about it. When we try and pray, what happens? We get a phone call. Emails come flying in. When we decide to read the Bible, we get hungry. We go to worship and we think we haven't put the washing on. Right now you're probably thinking you put the oven on too high for the chicken. Distractions come, especially when we're spending time with God. But they don't often seem like distractions, do they? If they did, we'd be better at ignoring them. They come under a veil. They come disguised as things that need immediate action. Things that, you know, interesting tangents or subtle, quiet questioning. Life would be far easier if we had a distraction alarm. It would sound and we'd realise, no. This is taking me from the task in hand, and we can get back to it. But actually, life is rarely that black and white, as we see with Paul and Barnabas. So let's have a look at this argument. See, during their first missionary journey, a chap called John Mark had accompanied them. He was like their assistant as they went. But we read in Acts 13 that he um, deserted them. He actually left and headed back to Jerusalem. We don't know why he left. It could have been because... The gospel was being preached to the Gentiles and he wasn't cool with that. Perhaps it was because he got homesick. All we know, really, from the Bible was that he left. But before we go slating John Mark, we need to realise he actually was kind of a good guy. You know, he's responsible for writing what we know as the gospel of Mark. He accompanied um, Peter later on um, into Italy and worked as an interpreter and translator for him. John Mark was a good guy, but nevertheless, he left um, Paul and Barnabas and headed back to Jerusalem. So this caused a sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark. Perhaps it was because he wanted to give John Mark another chance. Perhaps it was because actually Barnabas and John Mark were cousins. We don't know. But Paul wasn't convinced. So Paul 
took Silas. You see, this argument could have distracted them from their mission. This argument could have distracted them from their purpose. But they handled it wisely. They handled it humanly. They had an argument. You know, if you're passionate about something, you're going to want to stand for it. And that's right, that's human. But also to be wise about that argument is to not let it distract you. It didn't discourage them from their mission. These distractions that come, like we said, they're subtle, they're discreet, but they all have common traits. And let's have a look at a few of those common traits so we can call out the um, distractions when they come. So one of the common traits is fair reason. You know, Paul and Bar- both Paul and Barnabas had a valid argument for and against taking John Mark. You know, distractions will come. It's a fair reason to tidy your room if it's messy, but it's not the right time. It's a fair reason to cut the hedge if it needs cutting, but actually you were meant to be doing something else then. There's always a good reason to follow a distraction, but we need to know our priorities and we need to walk in the right way and ignore those distractions. How about um, the beginning of something great? They always come before you start something, something worthwhile. They were just about to start their second missionary journey. This was going to take them far beyond where they went the first time. It was the beginning of something great. Before things catch momentum, the enemy will try and stop it by distracting us. It's one of the key things. You'll notice it. You're trying to bring a friend or someone to church, but then, you know, there'll be an argument, a distraction, a new car boot sale will open up, whoever goes to those. It's, it's one of those things. Distractions will come at the beginning of something, at the beginning of something great. Think about distractions for a second. Sundays, 50 years ago, everything was closed. No shops were open, no nothing. And now look, people came to church because they were bored, but now people are going elsewhere because they can do their shopping then. Distractions have come, and they'll try and take us away from the right thing. But also, distractions come through emotions. You see, Paul and Barnabas had done a lot together. They'd spent a lot of time together. And actually, after such a big falling out, it could, they could have been left discouraged. They could, they could have, like actually felt bitter toward another and it could have put them off future work, could have set them back in their mission. You see, we're emotional beings. We're created to have joy, to laugh, to cry, but we can't be ruled by them. Our emotions, if allowed, will distract us no end. You know, we can often feel too tired, too stressed, too, too down to push forward. You know, we have opportunities daily to serve and to give our time. But how often do we say, oh, I don't quite feel up to it? Don't be distracted by your emotions. I'm sure 2,000 years ago, on Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, Jesus maybe wasn't feeling the cross, but you know what? He said, your will, not mine. Let us not be distracted from what we're meant to do. So these are traits of common, common traits of distractions. And we need to learn to discern what is from God and what is from the world so we can ignore one and follow the other. Let's yell a loud no at distractions. And if we say a quiet yes to those diversions, to God, we'll be walking in the right path. See, Paul and Barnabas did not let it distract them from their work. Despite being unable to settle this argument, they compromised and split. Barnabas took John Mark and he headed to Cyprus. Paul took Silas and they headed up north through Syria. See, because they handled this wisely, because they, they handled it right before God and they didn't compromise and they walked forward in their purpose, 
God used it for his glory. You see, now there's two mission teams, not just one. You know, if we handle things wisely, if we put the priorities in the right place, we read that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. Let's believe that. Let's not be distracted. A side note is that actually Paul and John Mark, it seems, made up because in 2 Timothy 4.11, Paul writes, Bring Mark with you when you come, for he'll be helpful to me in my ministry. So BCC, we cannot give in to distractions which try and take us away from God's given mission, God's given purpose for our lives. The stakes, is too much at stake. We cannot give in. Whatever God is calling you to do, don't let fear distract you. There's too much at stake. Whatever God is calling you to do, don't let your security and health distract you. There's too much at stake. Don't let money, don't let lust, don't let friends, don't let emotions, fatigue distract you. There's too much at stake. What God is calling to do is far more important than anything you think, you do, you say, you know. Obedience to God is key. Imagine if Martin Luther King had let the opposition distract him. Imagine if Billy Graham had let the fatigue distract him or Nelson Mandela let prison distract him. What about in Martin Luther, the theologian who brought about the Reformation and let the Catholic Church distract him? What if Jesus let the devil distract him? Nothing is more important than our obedience to God. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then speak out with as much faith that he has given you. If your gift is serving others, then you serve them well. If you're a teacher, then you teach well. If your gift is encouraging, then be encouraging. If it's giving, then give generously. If God has given you the leadership ability, then take that responsibility seriously. And if your gift is showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Nothing is more important than our obedience to God. Don't be distracted from your mission and your purpose. One of the saddest things is attending a funeral and discovering that a person who passed away has requested the song My Way to be sung at that funeral. One of the choruses goes like this. I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byway, and more, much more than this, I did it my way. Don't let pride distract you from God's calling. Don't go out alone and proud singing my way. Let us go out triumphantly and obedient singing his way. Maybe you're singing your own version of my way. Maybe you have been singing your own version of my way. Maybe the weight of that is crushing you. You're living under your expectations, other people's expectations, and you're being crushed because you're realizing that my way is not the right way. The pressure you live under, the weight that you are under, the other people's expectations are too much and it can be lifted. Let Jesus take that weight today. Let Jesus take that pain Let Jesus take that pain that you've hidden from those around you, those sleepless nights and worrying days. If that's you, his words to you right now are, give all your worries and cares to me, for I care for you.
My yoke is easy and my burden is light. If that is you, come and find me after this service and we can talk about living his way because that is by far, by far the right way. Let's have a look at diversions. So we've seen distractions, we're to ignore them. But what about diversions? So when you see this dreaded sign, diverted traffic, road closed, you have three options. You can either ignore it and drive straight to the road closed sign. You could either think, okay, road closed, I'm going to go and find my own way. Or you can follow the signs. Each have different consequences. If you ignore the sign and continue down the road, um, you know, you might crash, you might have to navigate a few obstacles and end up alive. But ultimately, if you're caught, then you're going to get some penalty points and a fine, and it's not going to go your way. See, we don't argue with road signs like this, or we don't argue with the highway code. Yet how come when the creator of the universe says, don't go that way, that we ignore him? What's that about? He holds far more weight than a little sign. The second option, to try and navigate your own way. No, I love doing this, and my wife hates me doing this. I love to try and find my own way to things, but they're often quite... Quite a long way. I, actually, when I was in, um, in America, I studied at university there. And during midterms, that's halfway through a year, Americans stop and have any exams. But me and my friends, we didn't have any exams. So we had a free week. So we thought we'd take a road trip up to Canada. We were in northern New York State. So the border was about 45 minutes away. And then an hour north of that was Ottawa, the city we were going to stay in that night. So we figured two hours' drive to Ottawa, that'll be absolutely fine. Um, so me and my friend got the car packed up, and we were sat in there waiting for our other friends to arrive. And these two girls came, and they sat in the back, and they said, oh, we printed off you some directions in a map. And me and my friend looked at one another, because on his dashboard, he had this compass. And we thought, well, Canada's north. We're not going to need directions. So in a very like Hollywood moment way, we screeched out the car park and threw these instructions out the window. I apologize for littering, but it, it happened. So we went screeching away. Now, I don't know what magnetic field that compass was on, but we were driving for three hours and we didn't see the border. Guys, if there's a map, then you take it. If there's signs, then follow them. Don't be a lone ranger. We're not meant to be lone rangers. The best thing is to follow the diversion signs until you're back on track. And this is what Paul and Silas did. I'm going to read um, again from verse 16, just briefly. It said, Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then, coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north to the province of Bithynia, but again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. Don't you find it interesting that these two were preaching, they were advancing God's kingdom, they were following God's call in their life, and yet God diverted them? You see, they just obeyed. They knew they're in God's call. If God wants to take them a different way, then they've got to say yes. But how often do we respond like that? How often, if God drops something on us, gives us an idea, a thought, a command, an instruction, do we just simply ignore it? Now, how about on your lunch break? You're heading out to get your meal deal, but then God says, stop and talk to this person. How many of us say, eh, BLT is calling? We need to be obedient when God says go. 
We read that when we read that when the Holy Spirit prevented Paul and Cyrus from um, from going into Asia, we don't see that they complained, that they prayed against it, that they called up the church and asked to be anointed by oil so they're up to go. We either just said yes, they tried twice, and then they said, "Okay, if you say so, then I will." How we respond when God sends a diversion is so key. But also, we must be careful not to add onto what God has said. Just because the Holy Spirit said to them, don't go here, he didn't say, don't go everywhere. You know, they didn't sit around waiting for further instruction. They continued in a different direction. See, I know someone who, um, they believe that God had told them to leave, leave their job. So after a time of praying, they concluded that it was the right thing. They got confirmation. So he quit his job. But then he sat around for another year, unemployed, waiting for God to drop a job in his lap. See, God had told him to leave that job, not to quit working entirely. We must be careful not to add to what God has said. You know, for this guy, we don't know. God could have saved him from some, something that went down in that, um, that job that we don't know about. But actually, it's not our business to know. It's our business to, is to hear God's voice and say yes. So we need to stop arguing, or we just need to start saying yes. But we also need to not add to it. Paul and Silas continued their journey because the Holy Spirit at the time said no to Asia and did not say no to everywhere else. And from pushing forward, they got that call, they got that vision and headed on to Macedonia. You see, when we're driving, we're following these diversion signs. If we stop every time one is out of sight, we'll we'll get absolutely nowhere. You know, when we're driving and we're doing this, following a map helps, having a sat-nav Maybe using a bit of initiative will really help you when you're following diversion signs. And it's the same in our Christian walk. If we live from word to word, from God moment to God moment, we're not going to get very far. It's daily prayer. It's daily using, following your map, the Bible. It's daily seeking God in between these great moments that will get us to where God wants us to go. If we live from sign to sign, then we're not going to get very far. For a long time, I was afraid of falling out of God's will for my life until I realized this one thing. God wants me in his will more than I want to be in it. So we should not be afraid of falling out of God's will. If we're praying, if we're seeking God, if we're passionately walking with Christ, then we have nothing to fear. We can walk with God and know that we're where he wants us to be. In Acts 16.10, we read that Paul and Silas concluded that this vision of a man calling from Macedonia um, was actually a calling for them to preach in Macedonia. They concluded. Which leads us to this final question. How do we know that it's God's leading, God's diversion, and not a world's distraction? That's the big question. That's the tough one that we face. We're like, is this from God or is it a distraction? One thing I noticed was that these guys could deduce, could conclude that it was God telling them because it fit into what God was already saying and doing. They knew their calling was to go and preach the good news. So when someone was saying, come over and help us, they could say, we need to go there and preach the good news. Also, they were praying and seeking God as to where to go next. If we're praying for something, the answer is going to come and it's going to be obvious. But if we're not praying for something, an answer might come or we might, not, we might mistake it for something else. If you're praying and seeking God, you'll be alert for when an answer comes. 
And also, the third point, it was new territory. It was a faith step. This wasn't just some comfortable job that will lead them into retirement. This is a whole new place, a whole new mission, a whole new mission field. You see, when God calls us to something, it's new. It's bigger than it was before. It's not unrelated and rogue. It's not distracting from your purpose. It's a continuation of the previous work that God's been doing. So when a distraction comes, you can say, well, is this a continuation? Or is this just something rogue that's trying to take my focus of what God has called me to do? I'm going to invite up the band as I finish off here. But from ignoring the distractions thrown at them and following God's diversion, Paul and Santed, Paul and Silas planted the Philippian church and they led a woman called Lydia to the Lord who was the first European convert. They planted the European church. So let's ignore the distractions. Let us follow the diversions. But notice I said ignore the distractions. Battles are to be fought. Distractions are to be ignored. If we start fighting distractions, then we waste time and energy, energy on them and give them more weight than they deserve. Ignore the distractions. Yes, there will be battles that you'll need to fight, but there will also be distractions that you just need to look away from. Say, that's not part of this. Ignore them. You see, Paul had a bumpy road getting there and is about to become even more bumpy as you continue to follow God. But bumpy doesn't always mean that you're off God's path. You see, if you ignore all the distractions this world throws at you and you follow God's diversions and God's leading, then you'll find yourself maybe on quite a bumpy path. But as you're bumping along, you'll be saving lives for Christ. You'll be shutting the mouths of lions. You'll be seeing the sick healed. You'll be seeing the dead raised if you're bumping along with Christ. You see, I would rather be on a bumpy off-road track seeing God move than on a flat tarmac road singing my way. Wouldn't you? So I want to invite you to stand and sing with us now. We're going to sing that God is the king of my heart, that he's never going to let you down. This is a belief and a faith statement that I will follow your leading God because I know you're not going to let me down. I'll ignore the distractions because actually you're the king of my heart. We're going to move into a time of prayer after this, but let's just sing this and acknowledge God as the rightful king that he is.